Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. My name is Cody Westbrook and I'm looking forward to studying God's Word with you for just a few moments today. I want to direct your attention to one passage at the beginning of 1 John chapter 4, 1 John 4 and verse 1. In this passage, we find a command, really, an exhortation, and it's a command or an exhortation that consists of two parts. But before we look at the parts, I want us to read it and talk for just a moment about why it's necessary for this command to be given. John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. It is a sad but true fact that God's people have always had to deal with false teachers and false teaching. If we go back to the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, for example, the Law of Moses, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, verse 21 and 22, Moses warned the people to be on the lookout for false prophets who would speak that which would not come to pass. If we fast forward just a little bit in our Old Testaments to the book of Jeremiah, we find a number of passages throughout Jeremiah and the rest of the prophets, for that matter. But particularly in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 13 and 14, Jeremiah wrote of those who prophesied for dishonest gain. And he would go on in verse 16 and say that their message did not originate from the mind and the mouth of God, but rather it originated from within their own hearts. Then we fast forward to the New Testament. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about those who are described as wolves in sheep's clothing. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 24, Jesus described those who he called false Christs. In 2 Peter 2 and verse 1, Peter discusses false apostles, or excuse me, false teachers. In 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 13, the Apostle Paul discusses false apostles. And in Matthew chapter 26 and verse 20, Jesus discusses false witnesses. So over and over again throughout the Bible, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, we find passages warning the people of God in regard to the reality of those who are false, those who speak things that are false, those who do things that are false, and those who, because of their wickedness and because of their false practices and false teaching, seek to destroy the faith and the souls of others. Now, as we consider the historical context of the book of 1 John, It should come as no surprise to us that John sees fit to warn his readers about false teaching as well. The historical background, as you recall, of the book of 1 John has to do with a false doctrine called Gnosticism. And that false doctrine, among other things, suggested that Jesus had never actually come in the flesh and that those who bought into the Gnostic doctrine had arrived at a higher form of knowledge than everyone else. So, John writes in 1 John 4, verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try or test the spirit, whether they are of God. 
Now, I want you to notice with me that John begins this exhortation with the term beloved. If you take into consideration all of the books that the Apostle John wrote by inspiration, including the Gospel account of John, as well as 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, you will notice that the term beloved appears eight times, and three of those are in 1st John chapter 4. Now, this word, beloved, it is a term of affection and a term of endearment that expresses a very deep love and concern for those to whom he wrote. Now, this is not an insignificant point, and the reason is because there are many who would consider it to be hateful and old-fashioned to deal with the subject of false teaching, but that's obviously not how John felt about it. In fact, the reason why John spends time addressing and warning those who are false is because of his love. You see, when we truly love as we should, then we will always desire the best interest of those whom we love. Agape love always desires the best interest of its object. And in this very book, 1 John 3 and verse 18, a passage we noticed in our last episode, John said, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. In other words, real, genuine, biblical love is seen in action, not just in words. So by giving this warning, John is putting his love in action. And incidentally, as we read and study the book of 1 John, we can look at a number of different passages that will elaborate on how much John loved the brethren. For example, in 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, that's a context we noticed a few episodes ago. Remember that John addressed uh, these readers as little children. Little children, he says, it is the last hour and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour. 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 and 24, he writes, This is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. 1 John chapter 5, verse 2 and 3, and 1 John chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, all of these passages, among so many others in this epistle, remind us of the fact that John had a very deep, very strong love for his brethren. So again, the fact that he begins this exhortation with the term beloved is not insignificant. It reminds us that for those whom we love, it is the right thing to for us to do, to warn them of danger, to instruct them in the way that God would have them to go. And that is exactly what John is doing. Now, notice then the meat of John's admonition. It is found in two present tense imperatives. Present tense meaning it's something that is to be ongoing and an imperative is just a command. First, John says, believe not every spirit, Second, he says, try or test the spirits. Now, why does he describe these false teachers as spirits? In the first century, the Holy Spirit miraculously inspired men to preach and to teach the Word of God. If you go back and study 1 Corinthians chapters 12 through 14, you'll find a number of passages that outline both the 
uh, miraculous spiritual gifts that were available in the first century, as well as some regulatory rules in regard to how those gifts were to be used. So that miraculous ability to be able to preach and to teach by inspiration was something that belonged only to those who were in the first century. Now here's the problem. There were many who tried to take advantage of that by falsely claiming inspiration in order to deceive God's people into believing a lie. That's why Paul wrote in Ephesians 4 and verse around verse 14, for example, as he talked about not being children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine and by the slight of men who in their craftiness are waiting to overtake and deceive us. You see, the church in the first century, as it were, Paul says, I don't want you to just be in a boat out in the ocean. And all of these people come and they say, well, this God says this and someone else says God says that. And you're just like a boat being tossed all over the place, going every direction. He says, I don't want you to be like that. And so therefore, Christ left these spiritual gifts so that you would have the ability miraculously to determine what the will of God is and to determine whether or not someone was speaking the will of God. So the reason why John, speaking of those who are false, describes them as spirits is this very reason, that there were those who claimed inspiration by the Spirit when actually they did not have it. And so therefore, Christians were commanded to not believe everyone who claimed to be speaking on the behalf of God, but rather they were to try them or test them. The word test means to prove or to examine or to verify legitimacy and authenticity. This is the same word that the Apostle Paul used in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 21, when he says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Incidentally, that passage is found in a very similar context as what we're discussing here. You see, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 and 20, he says, Do not quench the Spirit, verse 19, and do not despise prophecies, verse 20. Well, prophecies, of course, were uh, in reference to the miraculous ability in the first century to be able to speak forth the will of God. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies. In other words... If someone comes to you and says, I have the ability to speak on behalf of God, well, don't just turn away from that, he says, but rather test them. Listen to what they say and test it, prove it. Look to see if it is authentic. Look to see if it is legitimate. That's the idea of 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 21. And if it is legitimate, if it is authentic, then he says, hold fast to it. Prove all things and hold fast to that which is good. The word is also used and illustrated really beautifully in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse number 7, where Peter speaks of faith being tried with fire. In that passage, the, the terms or the, the phrase tried with fire comes from the same Greek word, and it has to do with placing precious metals into the fire in order to burn off impurities. So when you put all of this information together, Here's what we have, that Christians have the responsibility to examine closely those who claim to speak on behalf of God so that we can see through any impurities that may be contained within them.
I'll say that again. To try or to test the spirits means that we have an obligation to examine closely those who claim to speak on behalf of God to see through any impurities that may be contained within them. Now the question is, how do we do that? Well, I would direct your attention I would direct your attention to the example of the noble Bereans in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 11. This really is the model for all of us to follow. In that passage, the Bible tells us that those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all readiness of mind and they searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Now what does that mean? It means that the brethren in Berea, that when the Apostle Paul and perhaps anyone else would come and claim to speak on behalf of God, when they would stand up and preach, that the Bereans had an attitude of readiness or willingness. In other words, they desired to hear what God had to say. There was no one shrugging it off and saying, we're not interested. So they had a desire, but also they understood that there was always the potential that what they were being told was not true. And so therefore, coupled with their desire to hear God's Word, was their intentional looking into the Scripture to compare what they were being told with what the Scriptures actually said. So how do we identify, how do we try, how do we test one who is a teacher or a preacher who claims to speak on behalf of God, how do we test them in order to see whether or not they're true? Well, we don't have miraculous abilities today, so it won't be miraculously. We'll do it in the same way that the Bereans did. By opening up God's Word, by comparing what they say with what the Scripture actually says. Now, that means that we have a responsibility to study and to know God's Word. It also means that we have a responsibility to listen carefully. Remember, Jesus said, take heed what you hear and take heed how you hear. We have to listen carefully to what is said and so, that we can, so that we can scrutinize it in an appropriate way in light of the Word of God. You see, false teachers are sneaky. 2 Peter 2 and verse 1, Peter says, they privately bring in damnable heresies. Jesus said they are wolves dressed in sheep's clothing in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 15. The idea is that they put on a disguise because they're seeking to lead people away from truth. A false teacher is not going to stand before an audience of people and begin his lesson by saying, I want you all to know that what I'm going to say is false and that it will lead you away from God and that it will put your soul in jeopardy. So don't listen to me. That's not what false teachers do. Instead, when we examine passages like 2 Peter chapter 2, what we find is that false teachers will take a little bit of error and a little bit of truth and they will mix them all together. They will make their message sound very good and very pleasing and very digestible. And so it is incumbent upon the people of God not to be lulled into a false sense of security or take anyone only for their word, but to try the spirits, whether they are of God to open our Bibles daily and to be sure that we are both learning and walking in the truth. 2 John chapter 4. Try the spirits. Test the spirits. Don't take the word of anyone, but open up God's word and see whether or not what's being said is true.
That's the end of our study for this episode. As always, we thank you for joining us. We hope that you will tell your friends and your family members, those at your congregation, about the podcast and about the work that we're doing at the Southwest Church of Christ and the Southwest School of Bible Studies. Thank you again for listening. We hope that you'll be back with us on our next episode as we open up God's Word and study more of the wonderful Word of Life. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.